0: howdy folks i'm mark today i'm joined by henry Overos, phd candidate in political science at university of maryland and an avowed video game nerd henry thanks for joining me
1: happy to be here thanks for having me mark
0: yeah absolutely let's get right into it because we have 11 and a half minutes to talk about video games <laughs> Okay. So our topic today is the uh, the games industry is fraught. There's crunch culture, there's misconduct and sexual abuse at places like Activision and Ubisoft. Um, and even my beloved Nintendo, uh, news has come out that they've not been treating their contract workers well. Tsk, tsk. Uh, and so as responsible <laughs> consumers, uh, what do we do about this? Uh, we can call this kind of like voting with your wallet if you don't like something you don't support it then don't buy it kind of hit them where it hurts in their bottom line but what is how do you approach this henry like what does that mean to you
1: yeah i first off thanks for having me on a more controversial episode yeah. we got our big boy pants <laughs> on now so. yeah i got my big boy pants on i gotta talk about something serious uh, you know, not just like, how do you like the new Kirby game? Um, <laughs> but no, this is this is like You're a really uh, this is a, a really good question. One that I've thought about a lot more, especially after um, the Activision Blizzard allegations came out. I I think the problem for me with that one, especially, is like there's there's no way to be like somebody who's into video games who hasn't touched one of their products because Activision Blizzard King they own like so many properties that people love and so right i think especially after that i became more sort of concerned and trying trying to figure out just like what exactly my role is in it um yeah. and and how do we sort of address these issues as consumers which is just a really tough question and i'm not going to be able to answer that in 10 minutes or whatever we have left. sure yeah <laughs> yeah that is fair you said voting with your wallet and i i will say this like I've always had trouble with the concept of voting with your wallet. Like, for example, like I've known people who, you know, they don't like Disney um, for one reason or another. Um, And it's like, you know, I've had friends or or growing up, I had family saying like, oh, we don't go to Disneyland because we don't like Disney. And it's like, okay. But like, I think the economics of it work out where like one family not going to Disneyland will not offset the, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of people who are interacting with Disney stuff every day. In terms of like the scale of the problem, I think that voting with your wallet, when it comes to these big companies or whatever, it's probably just like a drop in the bucket for them, you know? Yeah. And that's always been something I've kind of struggled with. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah. So it's been an interesting question for me to wrestle with, because I feel like a lot of the more problematic companies within the video game industry, I'm yeah. not as interested in the games they make. So like for for those that don't know, like Activision makes Call of Duty, which is one of the, maybe the biggest gaming franchise. I think it is the biggest, yeah. It is the biggest
1: one? Right. I think it is, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. And Blizzard, tied in with them too, they make World of Warcraft, which is also gigantic. I'm not into either of those. And I, I mentioned mm-hmm. Nintendo at the top because of like they've always seemed like this squeaky clean company and like my first video game love. And so it's I've felt like I've been immune from having to think about this.
1: Yeah. Sam, I'm a Nintendo fanboy for sure. Yeah. And I think like you play like Pokemon or you like play Mario and you're like, this is literally like a the video game equivalent of like a children's storybook. <laughs> it's right. like, yeah. like it's so wholesome. So you kind of feel immune to the, the issues. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And like, it makes it all the more jarring to kind of hear about these reports of mm-hmm. of contract workers kind of not being given opportunities and feeling like second-class citizens. So I, I'm not really sure, because I thought about the question of like, where do you personally draw the line with it? I'm not sure if I've had to actually wrestle that for myself. Clearly, I don't want to, uh, support companies that allow sexual abuse to happen at their workplaces. And that's like an easy, I draw the line there. Like, I'm not going to, not going to pay for those games. Right. But there is also an element of like, what am I helping with that? Like I, Mm -hmm. um, I don't feel like I, my decision personally really impacts it that much, but it is, there's a wave to it and kind of like advocating that, like, Hey, this is bad stuff. And we like, can't support that. And convincing others to, like, kind of share that vision of ethical workplaces and just simply being, like, good people to each other and not abusive.
1: Yeah. I also, part of me wonders, because specifically with Activision Blizzard, but also I think this kind of works with Nintendo as well. Like these are multinational companies, right? Like there's Nintendo of America and then there's right. like Nintendo Japan. Ubisoft, for example, exists uh, like on almost every continent. Like I think right. that they have, you know, like they have like studios here in America and in Canada. They also have some in Europe because they're a French company. And I believe that they also have some in Asia as well. And so it's like, not only are you coordinating like working conditions in one country. So like in the United States, like you can maybe like even go out and and protest in solidarity with workers who are being mistreated. But that doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, treat workers in China or in another country the same way. And I think that that also presents an issue of like, this is a bigger sort of problem than just like one section of a company mistreating workers. It's like, Right, uh, you know, this is like cross cross national, so
0: right, that's yeah. tough. And worth noting too, this is not limited to just the video game industry. This happens no. in many industries worldwide. We can think about it in this particular realm, but
1: yeah. I think the other thing I was sort of thinking about, and we were talking about this before recording, was just like. These issues come up with like clothes and food too. Like right. you know, and in some ways, like that's significantly more detrimental because we're when we're talking about clothes or food, like I'm a political scientists, so like study like the the movement of uh, people across countries for like low wage labor in like the chocolate industry or something right. for example like that's a huge issue um, and one that requires like legislation right uh, at, at an international level like multiple countries legislating together um, with video games I think the issue is also about like IP, right? So like they, if a company like owns a specific IP, they essentially have a monopoly on that kind of a game. So like if I wanna play Assassin's Creed, I have to buy it from Ubisoft. And so that's the only way that I can interact with it. Like I could choose to buy local clothes or clothes that are like thrifted. I can't really do the same thing with a video game that I care about, which is why I sort of view the like substitute as um, indie games hmm. and indie developers and trying to support the, the growth of that sector as a consumer is probably like a more positive way to view how I could like quote vote with my yeah. wallet, I suppose. Also like, I like those games better more often than yeah. not. Like, don't get me wrong. I like, I like a couple of AAA games. Like when I, you know, during quarantine, like I played Call of Duty so I could keep up with my friends and talk on chat right. and stuff. But like it's it's no Hollow Knight. It's yeah. you know, it's it's not the same. There's there's a level of care that goes into indie games. Yeah,
0: too. I feel that too. And I think it's worth mentioning too. Of like, it's hard to reconcile this because I am a hypocrite with it as well. Like I name dropped Ubisoft as a place with sexual abuse and sexual harassment, and like I bought Riders Republic. I love that game. Like I think it's great.
1: <laughs> I think I got it for free on PlayStation. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Maybe
0: that's how. Just wait for it to be free in some way, and, and yeah. then you're not actually. Yeah in another sense too of like how how do you think we reconcile like wanting to support the workers themselves like their developers programmers artists and like the testers who are working on these games and are in these harsh conditions like how do we support them without rewarding like mismanagement or executives who allow abuse to happen
1: yeah i mean i think that's probably the toughest part of this so like I think, for example, about like Lego Star Wars as, as a mm, great example mm-hmm. of this, where it's like, did you play the new Lego Star Wars? I it's, haven't, but I really want to. It's it's monstrous, <laughs> man. I mean, it's, it's like a behemoth of a game, which I got it thinking I was just going to have like this sort of like cute kids game to like play at the end of like a hard yeah. day. And it turns out that it's just like watching every Star Wars movie like, non-stop but then also looking for like hidden puzzles in the background it's insane yeah. and I, I think like you know allegations about crunch there sort of come out and I look at it as a piece of art and I'm just so impressed mm-hmm. by the work that goes into it and then I look at it as what it sort of stands for and I find it like upsetting they could have not gone all in and done all of this and still would have been an incredible game yeah. and I think I don't know if there's like a way to show, like, you don't have to make a 300 hour monstrous game for it to be worth playing. Maybe tone down the amount that's in games to fix Crunch is part of it. But then also, like, allow people to just maybe slow down the release cycle. I know that that sounds insane, but like I have such a backlog. Right, yeah. And like, I don't know if you played games like Elden Ring when they came out, but like when Elden Ring was coming out, like four other games that same month came out that I was like, I really want to play these too. And I just had no right. time, right?
0: There's just so much coming out and like, maybe we don't need that much. Well, our time is short, about a minute left. So uh, I don't... Maybe this hasn't been super satisfying if you're listening to this. We haven't really given any good answers. My final question I'm sorry. is No, that's it's my <laughs> fault too. And that's part of the problem is like, are we doomed? Like, can we do anything about this or will the industry just keep repeating the same mistakes? Like, what do we do?
1: I don't, I would, I'm actually optimistic. And, and here's why yeah. I think that this is such a pervasive problem. Even, even the most like avid consumer will eventually. Slow down, and I think that the companies will have to adjust. I also think things like Game Pass and um, the new PlayStation system, uh, where you can like download games, might also change the structure of how these companies operate because they can use old IPs for games that people haven't been able to play. Yeah, and it might slow things down. That's my opinion. I could be wrong, but I think the rise of indie games, the ability to choose easier um through online platforms Mm -hmm. and just the fact that like um this is such a pervasive issue that i think that the companies will have to adjust in the future like leaves me with hope yeah although i don't those poor nintendo testers i feel so (laughs) bad thanks for
0: making such incredible games and one thing i'll I'll note too with that as well is uh jason schreier's two books um bloodshot pixels and and fresh reset Uh, more on the crunch culture side of it are really helpful resources to like, he pitches like a a new vision for how games can work, Mm -hmm. but really like they do a good job of just demonstrating what's like an industry and how it's so hard to make video games.
1: I think everybody should read the chapter about Stardew Valley. I think that's one of like the coolest man, just such a wild story. So good. Yeah. And I think that he really does sort of detail the pitfalls of a lot of these companies and, and, and after reading them, I think that you you might come to the same conclusion that like this is not sustainable right. or profitable in some ways. Like it's kind of a dumb business model. Yeah. <laughs> at least that's the picture he paints in his in his books. Sure.
0: Right, exactly. Well, Henry, thanks again for joining me. Uh, where else are you out on the internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter, just at Henry Overos. I think that the O is a zero. I don't remember. Um <laughs> <The> link below if <laughs> people can find you. Yeah. um, I don't tweet that much, um, but usually it's either about video games or politics. I'm sorry, but that is like what I do for a living. So you don't have to, uh, maybe you just mute those words out on your Twitter timeline. Those tweets will not show up, but yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter mostly.
0: Well, sounds great. Well, thanks again for joining and thank everyone for listening in. You can follow us on major podcasting services or on YouTube. You can find us on the proper socials at 11.5 minutes and let us know how do you approach this? Uh, How do you approach voting with your wallet? Uh, That's all the time we have. Bye. Thanks, bye.